for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Hey, Happy New Year, Matt. Hey, John. Happy 2021 to you. Indeed it is. So far, so good, I guess. Doesn't take that much for it to be better than 2020. Um, did you have a rockin', rollicking New Year's Eve? I know you're a New Year's Eve kind of guy. You probably went out to some crowded bar and howled at the moon and brought your brought your uh, partner Jen with you and didn't just kiss her at midnight with all the other drunks, but you probably kissed several others too, men, women, anything. You're that kind of guy, I know. Uh, I stayed up past midnight, so we can say that. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm a stay-at-home on New Year's guy, even when there's not a pandemic going on. Yes. I had to uh, coerce Jen to stay up past midnight because that's generally not her sort of thing. And uh, we even got the four-year-old to stay up past midnight. And once he made it, it was kind of a nice night out. We went outside and had a snowball fight after midnight Aww. and played around in the snow. So it was fun, actually. I don't think the kid understood what the hell was going on, but <laughs> he thought it was fun that we were taking him outside to play in the snow at midnight yeah and, uh, yeah then we all slept in the next day and happy new year what drove you to uh, stay up till midnight because i because I, I was totally joking of course we have this discussion every year you consider new year's right. eve and saint patrick's day amateur hour at the bars the, the no, no 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 saint patrick's day is not on my list oh uh halloween and and new year's eve are the two that i hate why not saint patrick's day that's for professionals don't get that confused i mean well come like, on. we're talking about the irish here that's a day where professional that's a professional drinking day halloween and new year's eve those are amateur so hours. you're you're telling me there's less buffoonery and jackassery at bars on saint patrick's day and saint patrick's day night than there is at new year's eve and no, halloween no i'm not saying there's less just jackassery i'm just saying like there's less amateurs at the bar like i used to go out on new year's eve and it was like this is lame this is where all the dorks that never go to bars come out <laughs> whereas uh saint patty's day felt more like the day where everyone who already lives at bars kind of steps it up a notch. That's like their <laughs> Christmas. So, so yeah, I did not lump them into the same category. Okay, fair enough. I kind of avoid. I kind of avoid both. Although I will say St. Patrick's Day is more fun. I just don't like it that crowded. Like I don't. I don't. I don't want to wait that long for a drink. No matter. Oh come on, you're gay. Gay people love crowded bars. Don't try and tell Bullsh me that you don't. Not anymore. <laughs> Not now, not 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 now that we're married. We got you know very. I mean, there's not. I, yeah, I mean, just like straight people. I'm sure. What there's... about your husband? Are you telling me he prefers a, a dead bar as opposed to a jam packed? I didn't bar? say I prefer a dead bar. I mean, I I don't want a dead bar, but I don't want one where I have to wait in line. For, I'm spending more time oh, waiting yeah. in line for a drink than I am getting I, a drink. I, there was never a point in my life where I enjoyed places like that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, gay bar on New Year's Eve, that used to be a lot of fun. Yes, that is what we used to do. But it's been a while. We've, we've become accustomed. That's where I want to turn to next is what you do. What's compelling you to stay up till New Year's Eve if you're not out and about? And again, this is pre-pandemic. Um, is it the, is it the uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve? Is it, is it the, I've come to enjoy the CNN show with Anderson Cooper and whoever yeah. he's got there. Don Lemon's been worth the price of admission the last couple of years. Really? 
That's yeah, pat, he, that's I, after I don't midnight. Know about this year, I don't know about this year. Last year, a couple of years, like he was drunk as shit on the air. It was it was kind of funny. I don't know if he got in trouble for it or whatever, but he was blatantly intoxicated while on the job. I think I recall that one where they they were probably in New Orleans, right? I don't pre- know. Yeah. Well, anyway, they were at some party. It was lame this year because they were at his house and cook trying to cook and, and talk to Dion Warwick, who's. 80 years old and a cool 80 year old, but it was, but I, I did uh, see what I did on New Year's Eve was this year. Uh, I uh, hosted trivia night at Sonny's pizzeria. My friend John owns the place and it's uh, celebrating its one year anniversary over there by USF. And so he's had me a couple times now do trivia night. He's a very creative guy and he writes all the questions, uh, like 40 questions, four rounds. And uh, it's, you know, there's only, there's only 12 or 13 people there. It's reasonably safe and all that. Um, and uh, it's kind of fun. I get a couple drinks in me and it's a combination of being a, uh, a poor man's Bob Barker and a poor man's. I don't know. Name your favorite stand-up comedian, and uh, and but I'm done with that by nine o'clock. I get home just in time to watch Andy Cohen uh, a- play a game with Snoop Dogg, and the game was uh, "Have you been high here?" Uh, so they had they brought on Snoop Dogg like after I got in. T- I got I literally got home just in time to watch the ball drop, which by the way that was bizarre. Uh, to see, like they, there were so without few, the crowd. Yeah, there were yeah. so few people there. They just kept showing the same people over and over again because they, <laughs> there was like fifteen people there. Uh, and so I watched that. Whatever didn't it seemed a lot weirder. It made me think this would have been the year I would have actually wanted to be in Times Square on New Year's Eve. There, I, there's no lines for the bathroom. Like this, that would be this. You know, this would be the year. It's not as crowded, and uh, there's no lines for the bathroom. I, have you ever wanted to do that, by the way, when you watch it? Like, oh, man, I, I got to do that one. That's a bucket list. I got to do that. Times, Go to New Year's Eve? Times Square, New Year's Eve. Got to do it. No, I, Jen and I were actually talking about that. Like, that's probably very high in the list of things I would never want <laughs> under any circumstance. <laughs> Me too, like, but probably for like, not as intense reasons as you. It's freezing cold. You're yeah. surrounded by idiots. Yes. Where, where do you go to the bathroom? Like, where do you go get another drink? Like, it's just – I mean, almost anything like that. The NFL draft – you know, and any sort of the Super Bowl, any of these like big sort of things, I don't ever. Arthur, no, we are not going to play fetch with the dog while I'm doing this. Go upstairs. I just told you I was on the phone. No, that makes for good podcast. So instead, Audio, you, huh? so instead, you get to do stuff like hang out with Arthur uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve. Go upstairs. Uh, I mean, it was fun. it was fun. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I do. I mean, I'm a night owl anyway. Just by the nature of my job. So I'm, I, I'm never in bed before midnight, you know, no yeah. matter what day of the week it is, no matter what I got to do the next day. Sure. So I've always been at the very least like, well, okay, I'm going to be up anyway. So I'll watch the ball drop and yeah. That's, what the hell? That's about as far as I take it. Right. And uh, so but it was really funny because uh, I, I kind of felt like I was missing out. I do really enjoy watching Anderson Cooper get drunk with whoever is his, the comedian or whoever is next to him. And I, I loved Kathy Griffin for all those years. I thought nobody else can do this besides Kathy, and it's too bad. You know, she did the Trump beheading thing, and uh, she's kind of not cool anymore. And she, yeah, so whatever. And, uh, and, and I don't think Andy Cohen is as funny, but he 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 it grows on me every year. And then after the ball dropped, they had Snoop Dogg on, and Snoop Dogg was there to just pump it. He's got some new show on TBS, and uh-huh. he had, he had some, it's it, it, and I guess it's kind of kind of a gimmick show like he had a guy uh in a uh, to demonstrate what he's going to have on a show he was probably at his own 
compound or somewhere on a studio lot in L.A., and he had some guy who swallowed a sword and then swam the, the length of a, a manufactured uh, really cold pool. So, and I was like, okay, that's a gross. stunt, and that's gross. I, I couldn't watch it. I, can't, I couldn't. I, but then when it got done, they finally interviewed Snoop, and then Andy Cohen asked him, have you been high at a bris? Have you been high at a bar mitzvah? And every time Snoop Dogg, who was, it's New Year's Eve, he's probably high, because he's always high, he just, he, he would have the perfect comedic timing. He would just look in the camera with a straight face, and then his eyes would get all big, and he'd go, yes, I have. <laughs> Everything. It, like Martha Stewart's house, and... and uh, Did he say no to any of them? Uh, he did the one, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, I kind of feel like he's lying if he says yes to every single. Yeah, one. he did. White House. He said he got high <laughs> when he went he <laughs> at the White House, and then they said, "Can you tell us which presidential administration it was?" And he said, "The one with the same skin tone as mine." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I kind of was. Like, I honestly could have seen it being Clinton, Bush, or Obama. Sure. Right? Well, I, at, any of those three seemed possible. And I think Andy's follow-up was: Was the president? Did the president do it with you? And I believe the answer was no, of course, because even if it was the case, um, you know, he's being a little bit protective. And I thought, well, who smokes weed in the White House? I guess it's a big house. It's just like any stoner's going to smoke next to a window, no matter where they're at, and figure they'll get away with it. Uh, and then the Jimmy Carter—I don't know if you saw—you'd like the Jimmy Carter Rock and Roll President special on CNN. I watched that last night. Uh, I had no idea he cozied up to the Allman Brothers band and uh, Willie Nelson was a good friend of his and, and Jimmy Buffett. And these guys helped get Jimmy Carter elected in the 70s. Um, but uh, but who was it? His son, <laughs> his, Jimmy Carter's son, Chip, talked about smoking weed in the White House. I was like, OK, I guess that's happened more than uh, than any of us would think it's ever happened. Um, so do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, I've never, ever been a New Year's resolution guy. Um, but th this year I am kind of, I mean, just based on what we talked about last week and the fact that we've been in a pandemic for nine months and locked down, like, I'm fat and out of shape. I kind of want to get unfat and in shape a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm, like, you know, joining a gym or because I've been at a gym member for 10 years and now because of the pandemic, I can't go anymore and that's basically how I got fat. But, <laughs> um... So I'm not like, you know, today's the first day of the, you know, it's nothing like that. I just kind of was like, all right, holidays are over, kind of back into the routine. Maybe I should start actually like, you know, doing some shit and trying to take a little bit better care of myself. Oh. That's about it. That's the closest I've ever really come to a, a New Year's resolution. Now, didn't you say before we flipped on the mic, part of that was just having the conversation about about us getting fat last week. Did this podcast actually inspire you to... Uh... I mean, it, it helped. It helped like just... I kind of not that like I didn't know about it and that made me it, just talking about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was something I knew was happening basically going back to March because you kind of think like, oh, there's this lockdown. No one's ever going anywhere, doing anything. You're bored all the time. That, that would and I'm sure for some people it has been an opportunity to get in shape. You know, you have because so many people say that, you know, I would get in shape or I would exercise, but I don't have time. The reason I don't do it is because I don't have time. That's never really been the issue for me. I've always had time. It's just. I was one of those people that to get in shape and I did get in really good shape a long time ago was going to a gym, like purchasing a gym membership and forcing myself to actually get in my car and yeah. drive there five times a week. That's what made it work for me. Yeah. If I have to, if I, if I have to stay home, like if I put a, a weight bench and a treadmill in my house, they're just going to end up 
you know, that's where I'm going to hang my laundry. Yep. You know, it's like, I'm just not going to do it. If I'm sitting at home in the comfort of my own home, I'm just going to be a lazy piece of shit. And that's what I've been doing for the last nine months. And, you know, I kind of kept trying to tell myself, well, tomorrow's the day, you know, I'm going to get out the yoga mat and the free weights and, you know, kill myself working out in the basement. But it just, at some point it's like, who are you kidding? And I think, you know, last week, like I said, just sort of talking about it and saying, all right, this is a thing that's actually happening. Do you want to do something about it or not? So, you know, we'll see when the weather gets nicer. Like, and like I mentioned to my fucking dog is fat as hell. So um, that's kind of a thing too. When, when it gets warm enough, I'll be putting him on a leash and taking him out and hopefully the two of us can do it together uh, a little bit. That first time after you've, you know, eaten and drank yourself to, uh, you know, to oblivion over the holidays. And I did it, Gilbert and I did so at a friend's house in Minnesota uh, on a a road trip this weekend, which I'll explain in a second. Uh, That first workout after, like after you've, no matter, like I, I went for a run, I went for a run or two runs, pretty much every day, like every day for a while now, but, and including this trip to Minnesota, but like if you really eat and drink a lot, which a lot of us do around Christmas and then on New Year's and maybe into that weekend, since it was, uh, you know, you have New Year's day where most people sit around, watch football, drink a lot and eat a lot. And then you do it all weekend. Today was my first day back from that. And it's, it sucks. And, you know, we were having this conversation last week about uh you know carrying your weight better or uh i don't like obviously it's a new year's resolution of mine as well because i'm fatter than i have ever been even though i even though i've done pretty well without a gym for a while by the way that's a good that's a great thing about uh being one good thing about being a pandemic is we both of us have chosen not to go to gyms because I mean, duh. I mean, I don't know why people do, but uh, because they don't just don't care. They don't think they're going to get it. Whatever, they're careless. But um, you know, like you, I'm sure the reason why you haven't been going is you don't want to. You know, you just don't want to be around very many people, and you don't want to be around a lot of sweat, and you don't want to be in locker rooms and bathrooms during a pandemic. Most of the people I know, I don't have a lot of close friends yeah. and family who have been infected. Yeah. But most of the people I know who got infected did so at the gym. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. And so yeah. uh, now we keep our membership because our, our two young. Uh, well, 17 and 21 year old boys go and, and fine. I mean, I, I don't love that either, but at least somebody's using the membership anyway. Uh, th- th- like this day, this very day, the Monday after new year's starts and people get back to work. You, we all know that like, that's, you talk about amateur hours. That's, that's the right. amateur hour at the gym. And it's not so much, I, I, I used to be one of those black hearted, you know, young idiot, stupid snot nosed assholes that kind of laughed at all the out of shape people that were starting. I did too. I, yeah. But but now, now of course you get older, you get softer, you get more empathetic and you just go good for them. Good for them. That's the world. The world. People wanting to be healthier is a great thing. Good. At least they're making the effort. At least they're not sitting on their ass. What I just hated, of course, was everything was way too fucking crowded. You know, you can't get on the thing. You don't can't do the things you want to do because so many people are there. So they, hey, there's a positive of the pandemic. We're not at the gym on uh, on this day. Uh, <laughs> but like I was, like we were with some friends. I was going up on a road trip. Uh, to do USF women's basketball. I am the road USF announcer, men's and women's this year. Tom Frederick's doing all the home games. Uh, we'll get more into the, these teams, uh, the Jacks and the Yotes and college hoops a, a little bit later in the podcast. But I was the, the USF women were on the road. They were going to the Bismarck. We have friends in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, which is about halfway there near Fargo. And um, 
just a, just two friends. So we weren't too we weren't too worried. We were careful, but not too worried about staying at a friend's house. I know you probably wouldn't uh, th- these days. But anyway, they are really good cooks, and they love to cook for their friends. And so, like Friday night, we get there. Chicken, it's a finger food, chicken wings, baked potatoes with cheese and bacon and beer cheese soup. All right. And drink a bunch of whiskey and wake up the in the morning and it's uh, Belgian waffle and bacon and sausage and, uh, and potato time. And then for dinner on Saturday night, it's prime rib and a bunch of bread and, and uh, you know, pancakes the next day. And so just, oh my God. And so. Uh, and then on the way home, I went to a rest stop that's between Brookings and Sioux Falls. I think it's in Baltic, and they've got a pizza hut there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is not a good idea after the weekend of Hungry Hippo that we just had. But if they have those pizza hut cheese sticks, I'm I'm a softie. I'm a softie for those. I'm a glutton for those. And they rarely have those. They rarely – they have the pizza. <laughs> they have the breadsticks. They rarely have the cheese sticks, the perfect – medium and they did and so i ate those that was a bad idea like that just pl- but it was kind of like the last moment of gluttony i i of 2020 i extended it a couple of days and then today uh trying to run up and down my stairs and do push-ups which is kind of what i do a lot since i'm not at the gym when i try to work out my god you know like last week i was talking about ugh, going out and concealing all this and feeling and carrying it well but I'm like, I hope I lose about 15 or 20 pounds before you, we're actually running outside where we're like wearing T-shirts or just being outside and like wearing T-shirts and stuff when it's warm. Because when I go for a run now, I've got like a few layers and a winter coat and it's all tight in there. Running up and down the stairs today in my house in my T-shirt and shorts, everything's bouncing. Everything's just fucking bouncing up and down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you got yes. like, when, like that first workout back? If you're doing anything aerobic and your your man boobs are bouncing, your guts, and you're just like, oh my god, this is fucking gross. And it makes you, it kind of makes you almost want to go back to just uh, not doing anything and being fat again because it's like <laughs> I got a long way to go. Everything's bouncing. Yeah, the, I think the difference maybe between you and me is that like I don't. Like we were just saying about the food thing, like I'm not going on any sort of diet. I'm never going to watch what I eat. Like I wouldn't call myself a foodie necessarily because, because I like too much crap to say that I'm a foodie, but like I cook a big meal for me and Jen every single night. Like we don't like just have ham sandwiches or salads or something. I mean, like I'm firing up the grill, the stove, making a three, four course meal with, you know, putting my ass into it. And I don't even want to know what the calories are, especially when I douse everything in butter and Cajun spices and everything. So, I mean, I'm just sort of like, I'm I'm not kidding myself. I'm not planning on ever being thin or having a six pack or anything like that because I like food too much. But if you're going to eat like that and Jen and I both have kind of decided we are, then you got to bust your ass a little bit. And for the last nine months, I haven't been doing anything and it's, becoming pretty apparent oh, <laughs> every time I try yeah, to do something. I'm not going to be eating lean, I'm not going to be eating lean chicken and uh, celery and asparagus for every meal like a bodybuilder, don't get me wrong. Just it was like Greg and Carla's place was like what you describe your house. They, you know, they they put on a show, they put a lot of big fatty just so much sugar and salt and butter and it's it's fucking great cheese, beer cheese soup and all that. To me that's that's my idea of eating healthy. 
my idea <laughs> okay. of a day. That's like my idea of eating healthy. Like, hey, I'm not eating, you know, McDonald's or candy or potato <laughs> chips. Like, there's yeah. actually meat and bread and cheese well, in this meal. So. That's the kind of stuff that gets you kind of fat that counts because it's because it's real food and it's, it really tastes good. And no, I never want to give that up either. Okay, uh, so New Year's resolutions. We both want to get. Uh, we not. We don't necessarily want to be in perfect shape, but we don't want to. Uh, we want to. Get, drive away from our fatness, more into fitness. Uh, and that's pretty common for most people this time of year. My other one, by the way, before we get to the Minnesota Vikings New Year's resolutions and actually talk sports on this sports podcast is, uh, I, just, I always proudly proclaim this, whether I have a radio show or now a podcast, uh, because if I say it publicly, maybe I will start adhering to it. And it has been my New Year's resolution since 1991 as a sixth grader. I will be... On, on time. time, more often. God damn it, I'm going to do it this year. and we'll... Good luck. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I'm 0 for 1 on the podcast today. I got You, you said 4 o'clock. And it was you about... called me at 4 one I'll give was you it? credit for okay. that. Okay, all right. That is pretty good for me. Uh, so what do you think should be the Vikings New Year's resolutions? Unless you want to, I mean, I guess first of all, and of course resolutions to be a Super Bowl caliber team. We all know the Vikings are going to be capable once they get, if they get, Daniil Hunter, because that neck, that's that's a terrible injury. Uh, we don't know if Anthony Barr will come back, but he seems to like playing for the Vikings. I think he's up for whatever. Like, he can go anywhere he wants now. Uh, but, like, if the if Mike Zimmer has his guys that he needs on defense back and most of the offense comes back, they'll be back to a 10-6 and six quality team. But we want to, but, you know, come on. Vikings fans would like to see a Super Bowl in their life. Um, uh, we could get to those resolutions unless you want to first start with anything regarding the Lions. Is there anything about the Lions game you've been jonesing to talk about today? I'm just happy that they won. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely not on board with the tanking thing. Um, you know, what the diff- we're talking about if they had lost the game, you know, dropping, I don't know, or what, what would the difference in potential draft slotting be? You know, four or five slots or whatever, depending on if they won or lost, whatever it was. I mean, if you have a chance to get the number one pick and you know there's a generational player out there, and I don't even think I would consider Trevor Lawrence to be that. I don't think he's a lock in the way that, say, Peyton Manning or Andrew, uh, Luck. And Andrew Luck. Those are really the only two I can think of in my lifetime that have been, you know, sure things. I mean, there's a few others, I guess. But um, So anyway, I, I, I want him to win. Uh, I didn't want Stu Whitney to get to watch the Lions beat the Vikings. I didn't want to see the Vikings streak of – Losing to the Lions to be over. I wanted yeah. to be seven and nine instead of six and ten, and uh, so I'm I'm glad they won that game. And Yay. you know, then that was just reinforced watching the Eagles game last night and how blatantly they tanked. I mean, it's you know, it's one thing to uh, you know rest your starters or say, hey, this game doesn't mean that much, so we're just not going to expose our best players to injury. That's one thing, but the Eagles, you know told the players who were on the field basically not to win the game, you know, yep. like took steps within the game to lose that game. You know, what, whatever you decide before a game, like who you're going to play, what your game plan is going to be, all that stuff, that's all fine and good. But then once the whistle blows and you're competing between the lines, I think it's always understood that these are professionals. These are competitors. They're supposed to compete. You're supposed to try to win with whoever you've decided to put on the field that day. Watching the Eagles do what they did last night. Uh, I, I was on board with uh, how, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth just kind of shit on the whole thing and yes. acted like they were insulted by it because it was 
it was kind of gross. I, I didn't enjoy watching that at all. Yeah, and I don't. And it's easy to it's easy to just pummel Doug Peterson for it. And I've listened to a little sports talk today. Apparently, this is a guy who was mainly grew up a blue collar and was a backup, you know, quote unquote blue collar backup quarterback his whole life, mostly to Brett Favre. And uh, just not not the type that would do this on his own. Like this was sent from above, owner slash GM. Please, if we're in a usually posi- is, if we're in yeah. a position to lose, so what? You can go up three draft picks higher. Like I, it's easy for us as armchair quarterbacks to say that, because you always say you don't. If you're, if you're the Vikings, you don't or anybody, you don't need to tank to get a first round or top pick quarterback because you know you cite Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and guys who have gone in the middle rounds or Aaron Rodgers who went late first Patrick Mahomes not until 10th but uh okay um but when in their position they're thinking this is especially the GMs and the front office people and the scouts this is what they do for a living and it's very important and by god if we don't have to make any trades to go up to get somebody we want to we want the highest possible pick but to go from nine to six for fuck's sake yeah and the Vikings I think would have had four or five higher picks had they lost to the Lions yesterday uh it was uh it was a it was a shit show. I'm glad I watched it. It's the best. It's one of the best. It's some of the best theater of terrible, uh, boring football I've ever seen because it had nothing to do with what the what was going on in the field. There were turnovers and fumbles and interceptions and shitty quarterback play for the most part. I mean, Alex Smith eventually couldn't, you know, they, I mean, the Redskins were just Redskins. I said it. The uh, Washington football team was just trying to. You know, stay conservative. It was terrible football, but it was. Uh, you're. I enjoyed the commentary of Michaels and Collinsworth. I, that's as much as I. I don't know if enjoy would be the word. As entertained as I've been by just blah nothing football because of of how it came to be that way. And yeah, I mean, we could before we get back to the Vikings. You're just thinking. He's Doug Peterson's already ruined his relationship with Carson Wentz, reportedly. And so, okay, good, fine. You think Jalen Hurts is going to give you a better shot at getting back to the Super Bowl? Okay, let's see what he does in a game like this, which, by the way, is extremely high profile. Whole country's watching. And it doesn't mean a whole lot for Philly uh, beyond the draft pick, whether they have four wins or five. But, but Washington has one of the best defenses in the NFL. They do, and to, and it would be interesting to see Jalen Hurts if he could do enough to beat them. And, yeah, once Peterson went for that touchdown instead of the field goal from four yards out, um, it was he, he was starting to give hints like, we we don't want to win this. And, you, we, I mean, they kept showing Jalen Hurts' face on the sideline throughout the fourth quarter while they've got this tomato can, Nate Sudfeld, in there just blundering all over the place. I think he turned it over on each of his first two possessions within four plays each time. And uh, to keep sending him out there, uh, it was it was interesting. But if I was, yeah, if I'm a Jalen Hurts or an Eagles fan, I am pissed. Uh, it was it was it was rather it was rather pathetic. Um, so I felt I mean I felt bad for Jalen Hurts more than anybody on that one. So the Vikings didn't do that because uh, the Vikings always gravitate toward the middle, seven and nine to ten and six <laughs> land. And so here they are again, story of your life as a Vikings fan. Um, and again, no one denies that you know, a, a closer to full strength defense, even with some guys who are getting old and not as nearly as good as they were in 2017, either as a unit and a lot of them individually, um, they, they should be a 10 and 16 next year with a top 15 quarterback and the, 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 statistically the best rookie wide receiver of all time. There's a good subtopic if we want to get into that, the Moss 98 versus Justin Jefferson this year. Um, but 
first of all, do you believe they could cobble together if they if they made the right moves and made what we'll call the right resolutions for 21 that they could be a Super Bowl contending team next year? They could I mean, be 10 and 6 easily. Yeah, it's hard to say that just based on you know the fact that they haven't really been close since the year they were close. Um, but a lot of those pieces are still there. Um, I, you know, the, the offense was really good this year when you think about it. I mean, or you you look at when you I shouldn't say when you think about it when you when you like kind of pull back and take a look at the thing as a whole. I mean, Dalvin Cook was the best running back in the NFC, and Justin Jefferson was one of the best wide receivers. Kirk Cousins was a very good quarterback. He threw for thirty five touchdown passes. Had a got off to kind of a slow start. First couple games, pretty ugly. Uh, second, you know the. That's as well as he's played. Yeah, post uh, by. Yeah, after he played I, essentially as they were hoping he would play when they signed him. Sure. Uh, I don't. I don't really think you could ask for a whole lot more of him than what he gave them uh, in the you know last ten games of the season or so. If all if those guys all come back and and perform that way again, uh, you've got certainly I think the nucleus of a Super Bowl offense right there. Uh, Kyle Rudolph's going to be gone, but I don't think they're going to miss him. Uh, Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin were pretty solid as tight ends when he wasn't in there. The offensive line is obviously a question mark that they need to continue to address. I used to say address, but they've been trying for the last few years and just haven't been very successful. You know, Riley Reef is probably going to be gone, and he was their best offensive lineman, so that is scary. Um, but I think still the bigger question is, obviously, you know, the defense had so many injuries. You know, you don't know what is Anthony Barr going to be worth a shit when he comes back. Uh, what is the Daniil Hunter? What are you going to get out of him when he comes back? Uh, you know, Harrison Smith's a year older. Uh, Anthony Harris looked great last year. He looked terrible this year. Uh, you got a bunch of young cornerbacks, but how many of them can you rely on to be locked down corners? The, the thing with that defense is there is the potential for it to be really a really good defense, but a ton of things have to go right for that to happen. And if all those things go wrong, or even most of them go wrong, then it's going to be a crappy defense again like it was this year. And then on top of that, it seems weird to bring this up, uh, but I think it, it was such an issue this year and has been in past years, is kicker. They have to find a kicker. And that sometimes thinks like a seems like a secondary issue, but it was such a big deal for the Vikings that you know they couldn't even count on Dan Bailey down the stretch to make an extra point, to make a 35-yard field goal. Um, and it'd be nice to go out and get you know, just a guy who makes the chip shots, you know, get someone who makes 95% of his extra points and will make any field goal inside of 50 yards. And, you know, if he misses a couple here and there, okay. Um, but, you know, when the Vikings have been, you know, a Super Bowl contender in the past, they've usually had a more reliable kicker than that. So hmm. that's something they have to take care of too. So, I mean, I, it, it, the NFL, I think, has proven over the years, it's always possible for some team to kind of come out of nowhere. Could the Vikings be that team next year? I suppose. Um, but the likelihood of it, you know, doesn't seem very high right now. The likely, A lot, like I said, yeah. just so many things have to go right. Of course. And there's other factors. We uh, see what kind of personnel transactions they make in free agency or trade well, almost all or their, the draft. Almost all their in-house free agents buy. There's like yeah. not one guy who's going to be about to become yeah. a free agent that you're like, oh, we have to resign that guy. Yeah. You know, there's the, pretty much every one of them, I think they can say sayonara to Zimmer. So. And, and by the way, they'll have a third place schedule. And so this usually goes well. And have you seen the for, schedule though? It, it's not exactly an easy one. Uh, just, I, I don't have it in front of me. I, yeah, I saw somebody tweet yesterday already who the teams they'll be playing, 
but it's not a first place schedule. But I, the, but that th- th- this doesn't matter as much as it used to. I guess years and years ago, it seemed to be there seemed to be much more of a solid dividing line between a first and second right. and third, or especially a first and third place schedule. And now it's kind of like, well, you're playing two teams in one division every year, and it's you know it's a parody stricken league anyway. But for what it's yeah. worth, Zimmer has shown the history of every year he misses the playoffs, he makes it the next year, and yeah. there sh- he should next year or he should be fired. We should finally put to bed the Zimmer conversation if they can't make the playoffs next year. You can go ahead and write off this year as both COVID, which everybody had to deal with, lack of preseason and lack of training camp. Everybody, Everybody's on an even plane there. Uh, everybody's on the even plane of your home field advantage not being as good. And by the way, the Vikings were 3-5 and five at home against mostly lousy competition, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the Lions mm-hmm. losing to the Cowboys and the Falcons and the uh, uh, almost losing to the ja- the Jags and the Panthers at home. Anyway, <clears throat> they uh, you know, we we we, we kind of did the should the Vikings fire Mike Zimmer thing last week, so we don't have to repeat that. They're not going to anyway, so whatever. But if they can't make the playoffs next year, uh, I don't think there's any excuse that's going to be good enough. He will have run his course. Okay, so having established that, um, to to some of your points. Uh, when it comes to New Year's resolutions from going to what should be a, at least a 9-7, and 10-6 and six wild card team to perhaps a Super Bowl contending team, which I think is possible, they, they have to take a few of these type of steps. I agree with you that offensively that, you know, after 16 games, they finished, a, they finished fourth in total offense this year. So they were extremely productive, but they were 11th in scoring. Something's missing. Again, that's a lot of work for that low of an output. And I still contest, especially now that you got Dalvin Cook in, as a fifth-year running back with now a lot of wear and tear. Now, not not, now a lot of wear and tear. Kirk Cousins averaged eight yards per attempt, not per completion, per attempt this year. And if you factor in sacks and stuff, he still averaged seven and a half yards per attempt. Dalvin Cook averaged five yards per carry. I know Mike Zimmer's probably not going to do it, but to just be so, so one-sided in in so Stone Age in his thinking of run, run, run all the time, 60% of 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 your plays in the first quarter are runs and it's so predictable. Again, I'm not well, saying well, me, I'm not saying I'm not saying air it out like I'm not saying air it out like crazy like 2018 and John D. Filippo wanted to do, but situationally, get Justin Jefferson the ball a little more often and a little earlier in games so you can make explosive plays and have a more efficient offense with what you want to do so you can be great at running the ball with Dalvin Cook later in the game when you have a lead and salt it away. Go ahead. Have you not seen the news today that Gary Kubiak's probably going to retire? Uh, I have not, but and uh, I should have because and he was. By the way, he was hinting at that late in the week last week because he was saying it's been nice uh, and I've, I you know I, I've enjoyed being one of the guys. But we'll see. He foreshadowed it, so I'm not surprised. But I don't think it's going to be that different because I think Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer uh, went along for the ride after the Eagles embarrassed him in the NFC Championship when uh, he decided to, I don't know if it was Spielman's idea or Zimmer's idea, and he wanted to have somebody from that Eagles genius offensive staff to join his staff. But when they hired Filippo, who had never been a coordinator, they kind of let him rule the roost, and you're making trying to make Kirk Cousins a 35-throws-a-game quarterback, and we all saw the output, and Zimmer was so infuriated with that he couldn't DeFilippo couldn't even last a season so I have a hard time believing Zimmer's going to hire a guy and not still make sure 
that that guy that you know hey dude it's it's my way or the highway we're still going to pound the damn rock and i think they'll do it well enough to win 10 games but to be a super bowl contender again i'm not saying be an all-out air show uh i just think zimmer needs to change his ways and have a little bit more of an open mind about finding a way especially justin jefferson like he set some records so uh but he had 41 fewer targets than stefan Diggs this year and only had like i don't know less than 200 less total yards so, uh, I mean, just imagine what you could do if you if if you got him if you got him the ball just a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think it's odd that you would dismiss the potential impact of a new offensive coordinator. That's a pretty big deal, especially when we're not talking about the guy getting fired, and we're talking about an offense that just finished the season fourth in total offense and I think tenth in total points. Uh, it's an attractive job. Uh, you, you know, your early earlier question at the top of the podcast was um, what's the Vikings uh, New Year's resolution? I would say their New Year's resolution is find the right offensive coordinator. That's the most important thing, I think, um, because we just got done talking about how good this offense has the potential to be. And you're kind of trying to argue that Mike Zimmer's too bullheaded and set in his ways to allow a new offensive coordinator to come in and, and really blow things up or change it a lot. And, and that's a, that's an opinion. I'm not sure. I don't think I agree with you in large part because I do agree with you that this is it for Mike Zimmer. He's, I think he knows if he goes seven and nine or eight and eight next year, maybe even makes the playoffs and loses in the first round, he's fired. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that he's, his tenure in Minnesota is starting to get a little stale. If they don't do something really big next year, I think we all agree he's probably going to be gone. And if you look at the team that's coming back or the team that just finished the season went seven and nine, it's really the first time in Zimmer's entire tenure as a Vikings coach that his unit has, you know, been the one bringing up the rear, at least to the degree that it did. The Vikings were a really good offensive team this year and a really bad defensive team, and that's on him. Now, granted, there were a ton of injuries that played a major role in that and the COVID, all that stuff. No one, I think, is implying that suddenly Mike Zimmer's an idiot that doesn't know how to coach defensive football anymore. But I think with Gary Kubiak leaving, whether it was Zimmer nudging him and saying, hey, maybe you should retire, or whether it was Kubiak leaving on his own, there's a chance here to obviously do some things there. And if Zimmer's smart, and I think he is, he'll say, hey, you know what? I got enough to worry about with my defense. Instead of spending my time looking over the offensive coordinator's shoulder and making sure that he's running the ball enough for my liking or doing all this other stuff, I need to fix this defense. I'm going to go out and hire an offensive coordinator that can take care of this, keep the offense at, you know, at least at the level it was this past season, potentially build on it a little bit, because... Justin Jefferson should only get better. Irv Smith should only get better. You would hope the offensive line, because it is at least at the very least a young offensive line, can get better. Um, there's some potential there for the, that if you bring the right guy in, I think, to build a real championship caliber offense. And that would allow potentially uh, Mike Zimmer to spend a lot more time trying to fix that defense because let's give him credit where it's due. The one thing he's always been very good at in his tenure is fixing a defense, not just having a good defense, uh, but taking a defense that's ravaged by injuries or really seems to be struggling or coming off a bad game and fixing it. And I think knowing him and his coaching style, he's going to be hell bent between this year and next year on fixing that defense. He should do that, get the right offensive coordinator. Preferably, I think a young guy in the mold of Stefanski, the guy they just lost, um, who could maybe, you know, modernize that offense a little bit. Cause I do agree with you their offense at times is a little bit too 20th century. 
Um, that, that doesn't mean they have to throw the ball 50 times a game. Not but if you I'm bring saying. the right guy in, yeah, yeah I, I think there's some potential there. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, I continue to go back to situationally, for those who haven't heard me say this a few times You this don't year. need to say it again. We've established Situ- it. It's just situations. <laughs> you don't need to run on second and one every time. Let's see what you can do downfield. And at this point, you, I get you might not trust Kirk Cousins. I, I, I hope you're right and I'm wrong, but I, I've just seen the movie enough to know that Mike Zimmer is going to want a guy who's a who's proficient and has a lockstep philosophy of how to win with mostly controlling games with running and play action because when you do that with Gary, when you do that with Gary Kubiak I know Stefanski was the OC two years ago and supposedly did such a good job that the Browns hired him and he did a really nice job with them this year uh, and, and by the way with a lot of the same philosophies you know don't take the pressure off of Baker Mayfield uh, you know use your running backs and uh, get to play action that's great they went 11 and five good for him but you you hire Kubiak I thought as more of the overlord of the offense two years ago and then he was officially the OC this year and with him he brought his line coach from Denver and what is that all about the zone blocking running scheme and so the players they got to be on that line the first priority is how well do you block the run and it goes back to Norv as well when Mike Zimmer took over Adrian Peterson was still in or or just a second or two out of his prime and so of course you kind of want to base an an offense around that especially when you have a rookie quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater but uh I I just I I'm going to it's so it's the the pieces they have in place at the moment that's what they're great they're really good at blocking the run and then you throw in the besters, you know, second or third best running back in the league, which Zimmer has almost always had, and awesome, great. But the problem is those guys don't pass protect very well, and I don't, I don't see that changing even with any sort of new blocking scheme or overall offensive scheme. I just, I have an inclination that he's going to get a guy that's not going to, that it will not turn it loose. But if you are right. And he might feel desperate enough that he needs maybe something in between a D. Filippo, who was just trying to show off all of his tricks and toys uh, just to get a head coaching job and take that fast track uh, to the top and just gleaming off of the Eagles' success from the year before. If you can get something in between him, who was, he was kind of a tire fire, and Kubiak, then maybe you got something. But then they're going to have to tweak. I think they're going to have to tweak the offensive line a little bit to do that. Um, and uh, Justin Jefferson does not seem like a diva. And again, he's the most productive rookie receiver, not just in Vikings history, NFL history. But 41 fewer targets than Diggs this year. You start to wonder if it's if it continues to be bullheaded, no matter who the OC is. If Justin Jefferson starts to get, uh, and this could be not next year, but two or three down, two or three years down the road, if Zimmer is still there, a little bit like, uh, come on, um, gonna use me a little more often. It seems to work when you do, uh, and and so, uh, by the way, you're suggesting a guy who just caught 81 passes for 1,400 yards in his first year in the NFL is already on the verge not, of not pissed now. off that he's not getting the ball Not enough. now. We just saw the movie with Stefan Diggs uh, two or three years down the line. But my guess is two or three years down the line, uh, Mike, Mike Zimmer will either be or not be the head coach. And if he still is the head coach, it's probably because he, he allows his offensive coordinator at the very least to get Justin Jefferson even more touches. And earlier in games where you can explode uh, with the passing game, and take leads. So you're on Stefan Diggs' side in the Vikings Stefan Diggs split. 
Not necessarily because I understand and I agree that it had to happen. I'm just showing you the example of if you what, look what happened when you turned Stefan Diggs loose. Some people think the Bills and now the Chiefs are not the favorite from the AFC to go to the Super Bowl, and they're certainly playing the best of any team in the NFL right now because their offensive coordinator and their quarterback are not afraid to a get Stefan Diggs the ball and b just you know well Stefan Diggs. The second best receiver on the Buffalo Bills is Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. When Stephon Diggs was on the Vikings, he was sharing the field with Adam Thielen, who's also really friggin' good. The, yes. And, uh, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph was in the prime of his career for much of that time. And uh, also Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook. I mean, Stephon Diggs has 120 catches this year or whatever. That's great. He's a bigger part of the offense in Buffalo than he was in Minnesota. And if that's what he wanted, that's great. But the Viking, if you're suggesting that the Vikings should have – given Stefan Diggs the ball more no. just because that's what he wanted and take it away from Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, Adrian Peterson, Dalvin Cook, or whatever. I don't think that's a good idea. Good I for Stefan Diggs. Yeah. I have no animosity towards him. I loved him when he was with the Vikings. He's a great player. I too thought for a, a long stretches of his career, he should have the ball more. Um, but the, you know, I, I don't think that they should have decided, to, oh, well, Stefan isn't happy, so I guess we have to throw him the ball 160 times this year and screw everybody else. That was a deal that worked out well for everyone, and I don't look at what's, what he's done in Buffalo as some sort of evidence that, haha, he was right about the Vikings. I, you know, they've done just fine without him. Don't disagree with that whatsoever, and, and he needed to go. I do think they would have been better and more productive and maybe would have had an extra win or two if they did get him the ball more. And by the way, I don't think it was all about him with him and his complaints. I think in general, he, again, in certain situations, well, the, the rumor wanted to let it fly. He just didn't like Kirk Cousins. That he just didn't like Kirk Cousins. That's part of it, too. We've heard. So, no, I'm not saying that didn't have to happen. It's not a great – and bo- it's one of those rare things in the NFL where it worked out best for both parties. Uh, so, I, I, if you could – you know, we, we don't have to – obviously, we don't have to agree. That's part of the fun of this. But just just a, just a little bit more. Just, just loosen things a little bit. You've got great offensive weapons coming back. Loosen it up just a little bit. Don't go away from your core principles. I get it. But – uh, eighth in the running game and still eighth in rushing yards and 27th in passing yards this year with those kind of weapons at your disposal. Still 27th overall. Jefferson productive. The rest of the team, I mean, could be more, could be better, could have won a game or two more. Uh, by the way, how do you compare one of the most iconic seasons in NFL history, the 98 Vikings offense with Randy Moss as a rookie and Justin Jefferson's output exceeding that do you do you, do you therefore consider justin jefferson to be a better rookie than randy moss was or this was a better rookie season or just or just more productive by the numbers he just had more yards and more catches yeah. um he had, a, he had a great season and you know we were all optimistic as vikings fans that he would be a solid replacement for stefan diggs you know maybe he would catch 50 passes for 800 yards you know i think everyone would have been happy with that he far exceeded that, and now it looks like he has the potential to be a superstar. Uh, it's not even in the same atmosphere as what Randy Moss did in 1998. I mean, he made a, a Michael Jordan-level uh, impact on the Vikings, taking them immediately from this middling wild-card caliber team to a team that went 15-1, and should have won the Super Bowl, and if they had, would probably still to this day be remembered as arguably the best team in NFL history. They were that good. Um, the only reason Randy Moss is... That, that Justin Jefferson was able to surpass Randy Moss's stats other than touchdowns, which were not, nowhere even close. I think Moss had 17 and Jefferson had seven, something like that. Um, Chris Carter was on that team in 1998, and he was in his prime as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. 
Um, if you know, yeah. no, nothing against Adam Thielen, he's good, but he's not Chris Carter. Nope. Uh, and Jake Reed was on that team too. He was was coming off four straight one thousand yard seasons. The Vikings had three Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers on that team. Uh, Randy Moss, you know, the fact that he was able to come up with thirteen hundred yards when having to share passes with one of the greatest receivers of all time and another pretty good one in Jake Reed. And, you know, again, that was a team that had a lot of weapons. Robert Smith ran for well over a thousand yards. Leroy Horde rushed for 500 yards. Uh, I think who was the tight end back then? Was it Andrew Jordan? Uh, I can't remember, but no, no, there was a not related. There was another, uh, I think his name was Andrew Jordan. He might've been on the team, Adrian Cooper. Anyway, there was a couple guys back then, but, um, you know, I think any Vikings fan would tell you they're really happy with what Jefferson has done. Uh, but like I said, Randy Moss, that was a, you know, Barry Bonds, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky kind of season. If you imagine, if you if Randy Moss had any work ethic, I can't imagine how even better he would have been after that. After because the only better season he had than that was his twenty oh seven. 18 and 0 before the Super Bowl year with Tom Brady in New England. And by the way, I listened to a podcast, uh, a four parter on the 2010 Vikings season where you had Favre end his career. Uh, you had the uh-huh. roof cave in at the Metrodome. You had Randy Moss back for 28 days. Brad Childress lost all control. Fascinating year. It's a great listen. Uh, Score North Purple Daily had that, but they went, they were talking about, and Chad Greenway hopped on and just said how. Late, I mean, just how lazy and swaggeringly lazy Randy Moss was. I'm not working very hard, and uh, you, you know, screw you, which is no big secret, but was uh, but was reinforced, and because uh, boy, he was so electric. So yeah, uh, just wanted to put that out there. Like Jefferson has the numbers. Moss was at this. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to pass Randy Moss. Only like one or two receivers in the history of the game when it comes to the eyeball test pure talent over a career uh you know maybe 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 only jerry rice has been better than randy moss and that's that's arguable from a pure talent point of view um if we want to say one thing about the defense and then we'll spend the last 10 minutes here on a little college basketball in the area which we'll be diving into a lot more in coming weeks since the vikings aren't playing games anymore the, a couple things they've got again I mentioned the third place schedule which isn't as big of a deal as it used to be but still might help them plus in the division uh, you know if the Bears re-sign Mitch Trubisky I think that's what Vikings fans should be cheering for right He's he did just enough to keep his job and then the Bears did just enough to make the playoffs and you know they're not going to go anywhere with that guy as the quarterback No, I mean that, that, that's a team the Vikings should uh, leapfrog next year and it should be between Minnesota and Green Bay for the division title next year with Green Bay as a heavy favorite and you're always going to have the Lions yeah they fired their coach uh, they had the worst defense in the Lions history imagine this Zim in all the Lions history of futility they had their worst defense ever this year uh, they're not going to get that rectified in a year so there's going to be a division where there are going to be some wins for the taking uh, but with w- with a word about the defense don't assume Daniel Hunter is going to come back and play at the level he did, or maybe even to the Vikings. I, I, you know, I from those who I listen to, who report on the Vikings and some supposedly know something. He's going to demand, you know, he's up for a new contract, and he might demand top end uh, defensive end money. And I don't know if the Vikings will want to. I don't know if they'll have it because, of course, they're still kind of tied up, mostly because of Cousins. And I don't know if they should, because even though he was great, a neck injury is obviously kept him out for a whole year. 
So that's that's serious. And so we don't know if he'll be as good. I hope he's, I mean, you'd rather have him back and for them to find him a deal and for him to be back, obviously. That's also tough to replace with what they had before his injury. But Anthony Barr, underachieving pretty much his whole career, even though he's really good. Uh, Kendricks is the one you're going to be glad to have back because they may have made the playoffs and had Eric Kendricks played seriously. In you know, They had some close losses there in December. Uh, and they'll have Pierce back. Great. You always got to have the three technique guy in the middle to stuff the run. That's a, that's a Zimmer specialty. Uh, what would you say are the New Year's resolutions for Zimmer in that defense? Um, well, I think getting healthy is the big one, obviously. Um, is, what's Daniel Hunter? Daniel Hunter's not a – his contract isn't up, is it? He's looking I've up. just heard – I've heard that he's going to try to get something new. Okay, so he wants an extension or he's yeah. going to hold out. Or, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think he'd hold out. I don't think he'd hold out coming off a season where he didn't play. That seems unlikely. But yeah. you never know. I mean, um, I mean, I don't know. I, that, but even if he comes back, we don't know if he'll be any good. Uh, not any exactly. good. Exactly. That's, good. What yeah. Yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Assuming he's under contract and plays, whether they give him an extension or not, that's a huge question mark. Barr is a question mark. Even Kendricks is a question mark, I guess. You know, I mean, he's been inconsistent until the last couple of years. He seems to kind of hit a groove. Uh, Eric Wilson turned into a pretty good player when he was thrown in there to in, into a bigger role. But like I mentioned, you know, Harrison Smith isn't getting any younger. Anthony Harris, it's hard to know what you've got with him, with the cornerbacks. I mean, the, the, it's it's great that they've stockpiled a bunch of young corners, but there's no evidence yet that any of them are that, you know, shut down kind of guy that Xavier Rhodes was for a while. Um, there's question marks at all three levels. You know, I think it's like, but like I said, I, I think that's the one area where you give Mike Zimmer a little bit of the benefit of the doubt is mm. he's been really good at building and fixing defenses. Um, and they're still obviously going to have another draft here. And, you know, offensive line is something they're going to want to address. And you and I have talked about it. At some point, they have to draft the next quarterback. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously holes to fill on defense. And I don't know what the free agent situation is going to be, but, you know, that's the big <laughs> – it's weird, but that is the big question on this team. The offense – not by any means suggesting that, you know, oh, there's no question marks there. We can pencil them in for, you know, 450 points next season. I'm not saying that, but obviously the big question marks are on the defense. That's why, again, I think the big thing for Mike Zimmer to do, get an offensive coordinator in place early and devote all of his energy into fixing that defense going into next year. Yeah, and the, the problem with Zimmer is he's got to have a top five defense to have a chance to contend for the Super Bowl. And he had – why. Know, he, What's Why does that? he have to have that? Why? Because because that's that that first of all that's how he built the team and that's how he wants it. He wants he wants things to be predicated on his defense. And the one time they had a great team, a thirteen three team, it was the best defense for most of the year in the NFL. Turned out the Eagles were even better in the end. But he he generally needs that. And it's partly because of his philosophy. Uh, offensively, he doesn't want offense to fuck it up, you know. And he also wants his offense to give his defense a rest, which aren't bad thoughts. But that's the problem is if if you're if Zimmer's not going to tweak, I'm not saying change, tweak his offensive philosophy for whoever the next OC is, then it's going then he better have a top five defense. Or they, I mean, again, they can go they can go ten and six and get back to the playoffs with uh, a mere top ten or top twelve defense again. But um, unless they free a few things know. up. And you let seem the offense... really convinced that he like would rather lose than score thirty five points a game or something. I just and think I, he I just... thinks the way for his teams to win when he's a head coach in the NFL is exactly that's how the path is on offense. Right, but he's not a complete moron. If he looks at his mock roster, I hope, not. I hope and, not. And sees that. 
gee, our strength is offense. Yeah. You know, maybe we have to win differently. Yeah. I mean, he's not that bullheaded. I mean, I, I understand what he, he has made an entire career out of a certain yeah. philosophy, and he's at times tried to, you know, shove a square peg through a round hole, so to speak. Um, but again, I, you look at this team as it's constructed right now, and it would be foolish for him to just say, well, I, you know, I want my offense to not be as good because of, you know, it's, it's not going to be that way. I mean, they don't have to have a top five defense to be successful. If that offense, you know, scores 33 points a game next year, um, a top 10, top 15 defense will probably get you a long way. Yeah. The 1998 Vikings, I think, were had like the 20th ranked defense. And mm-hmm. it wasn't even a bad defense necessarily. It was just a defense that complemented the number one offense of all time pretty well. Yep. I'm not saying the Vikings offense next year is going to be the best one of all time, but if it's as good or better as this one's is, that gives Zimmer a little bit of, of, of breathing room, so to speak, to build a competent defense that can win alongside that offense. Fair enough. By the way, uh, is Chris Strevler the most did, – did he just have yesterday, and it was tough to watch and we don't have enough time to go over, which is probably good because he was – frankly terrible it wasn't a, it wasn't a great situation to go into to face Aaron Donald and the Rams uh in a game where the Cardinals are trying to reach the playoffs and Kyler Murray has a bum ankle it, it did not go well for Chris Streveler he threw a pick six um they eventually put in a put in a just an <laughs> uh barely walking Kyler Murray and it, Streveler was that bad but it was really exciting to see him go in and CBS I thought Jim Nance uh and Boomer who was filling in for Tony Romo did a nice job of kind of briefly telling the Strevler story uh, and you tweeted about how Strevler gambled on himself you know he was told by NFL teams he might get drafted and he he will be have a much better chance of making rosters and and playing a few years in the league if he played a position other than quarterback he bet on himself and of course we know led Winnipeg to a gray cup in Canada and uh, and you know he he was Chris Strevler yesterday he took chances and he paid for it this time was that the most meaningful playing time somebody from South Dakota, or at the very least, the Jacks or the Yotes or a South Dakota college has had in the NFL? Am I, am well, I at, at, quarter, at quarterback? At quarterback. At quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Like the most meaningful. I'm not talking about garbage mop-up time. I'm talking yeah, like by far. I mean, I think yeah. Uh, Klinsky and and Brian found a couple dudes from the Jacks that were on an NFL roster before, but I until we uncovered those, I thought Stribler was literally the first quarterback. Yeah, uh, from South Dakota to play in the NFL, and he and he basically is the other two guys. I don't think ever actually got into a game. So, yeah, was... uh, yeah that's that's very significant, and it just sucks that uh, you know he did not play well. I'm not I'm not going to try too hard to make excuses for him, but the Cardinals couldn't have put him in a much worse situation in that, um, you know they they his strength is not you know a guy who's going to come in and and throw the ball 30 times a game. He's a running quarterback, and you know, there were a lot of people I saw on Twitter saying, like, what are they doing? His strength is a running game, and they're not letting him run the ball. Well, I can understand why they didn't, because Kyler Murray was hurt. So if Chris Strebler gets hurt, mm. then you don't have a quarterback at all. So they – I can understand why Cliff Kingsbury is like, I can't just let you run the option, dude, because you're going to get hurt, and then we don't have a quarterback at all. Well, but if that's the case, then he shouldn't have been your backup quarterback in that situation. You should have a third quarterback active or something, because if you're going to take this this rookie who's never played in the NFL and put him in a situation where you're not going to allow him to use the one thing he does really well and try to force him to be a, a pocket passer in his first NFL game against a very good defense, playing for a playoff spot, I mean, it was just really unfair to him to in that situation. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I actually kind of thought he, he held himself, handled himself okay considering what he was being asked to do. And, you know, the pick six 
wasn't entirely his fault. The Rams pretty clearly jumped off sides. It was kind of a rookie mistake on his part to just assume he was going to get the flag and go ahead and chuck the ball up. But it's not like he, you know, just made that terrible throw. He thought he had a free play. So it was just kind of everything that could have gone wrong, wrong for him kind of did. And it was encouraging to hear Cliff Kingsbury kind of defend him and say, you know, it is what it is and, and I don't regret it. And, you know, hopefully he'll get another chance. But, you know, there's also certainly a lot of people who watched that and said, well, he just played himself out of the league. And uh, I certainly hope that's not the case because, again, they didn't he's a he's a Taysom Hill kind of guy. You know, that's that's what you want him to do if he's going to be on your roster. And, you know, maybe the Cardinals learned that and maybe now whether it's Arizona or somebody else, the next time Strebler gets a chance, he's able to be he's used in a way that can use his actual talents. Yeah. And there's facts to bear it up uh, to back you up as well. I mean, the Cardinals were two and five in their last seven games. And as Kyler Murray got a little bit more hobbled, he wasn't quite as electric as he was earlier in the year. So they had problems before that happened. And it, uh, it yeah, tough spot to put him in. I'll, I'll give you the choice here. Uh, do you want to go over an hour and, and dive into college hoops? Or do you just want to do that? Start doing that next week when uh, the Jacks have played some summit league games. I'll give you one guess what I want to do, John. <laughs> All right, Matt, it's been great uh, <laughs> talking New Year's and New Year's resolutions and the Vikings, and uh, we'll get a lot more local as we now actually have teams of co- college teams in our area playing some damn games and uh, giving us some things to talk about it in South Dakota. So we'll do that next time, Zim. Thank you for your time, as always. You didn't. I don't think once you said in the entire show the name of the podcast. You should do that before you sign off. I thought people are just looking at it, and it says. No. I know. I'm just saying you should say it at least a couple times. Wow. You know, never made any plugs for the Gateway or anything. I mean. Oh no, I do that after you hang up, unless oh, okay. unless you want to make a plug for the Gateway. Go to the Gateway. They have beer. They do. <laughs> yes, they have lots of beer and really good beef chislick, which is what you always like to get. Yes. All right. Nobody's the, the podcast is called Nobody's <laughs> Listening Anyway. And, uh, and 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 after hearing this hour, probably nobody will ever be listening anyway again. But we'll we'll see. We'll put that to the test again next week. How's that for an outro? Talk to you next Monday, John. All right. Great. Thank you, Matt. 41st Street, uh, West 41st Street, uh, the Gateway Lounge, a Sioux Falls institution for years and years and years. Jackson Rentschler and his whole crew, uh, his dad, Jack. Uh, it's a third generation joint, and they've they've made it not only the great neighborhood bar it's always been, but now a, a cool place you can take a family. It's nice inside. And for NFL viewing on Sundays, to me, it's the best setup. There are a lot of sports bars in Sioux Falls. A lot of them do it well. Nobody does it better than the Gateway when it comes to uh, just the, how you have a, an NFL, multiple NFL game theater uh, inside to watch all the games at once, plus friendly service, awesome meaty wings, not skimpy little chicken wings, and damn good pizza for a place that isn't a full throttle pizza place. Go to the Gateway. They'll treat you right. And if you're not ready to go to restaurants anymore, but you want to support a great locally owned business, they do take out as well. For Matt, I'm John. Talk to you next week on, um, what's it called again? What do we call this? Nobody's listening anyway. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, round drinks? Yes. Yeah.